Welcome to the Divorce TV show and we've got another great lineup for you. We have Jonathan Burston of Fearless Divorce, a shared story with Nikki Ranskill who's a female money doctor and hope and a healing who may be a mystery healing because he hasn't turned up but I've got a backup so either way we will end with a healing but hopefully our healer will, will suddenly appear during the show. So uh, let's get on with the news and then we'll talk to our expert Jonathan Burston. The first news story, uh, this is one that we mentioned a while back, but it's, uh, it went to the, to the High Court. His wife was within her rights, they decided, in the UK to divorce her tech consultant husband, 64, because he worked too much and missed holidays, High Court rules. So Marion was clear to leave Charles A. Kumi from Farnborough, Hampshire, in 2018, the judge decided. Mr. A. Kumi told the court easy divorce laws, according to him, let his former partner split with him because he worked too much and never went on holiday. The 64-year-old argued her claim of unreasonable behaviour had breached his human rights. The estranged father of two, who has no legal training, claimed unreasonable behaviour was not defined in law. Government lawyers applied to the High Court to dismiss his claim of human rights, which were first brought into divorce laws in 2019. Mr Aokumi hit back with a counter-application of his own to get summary judgment in his favour. But Master Victoria MacLeod sided with the government and said Marion had not breached her husband's human rights in their divorce. Mr Aokumi told the court, that the Matrimonial Causes Act broke basic rule of law principles, the Human Rights Act and the European Convention on Human Rights. He said his ex-wife's unreasonable behaviour claims were that he worked too much and didn't go on holiday 20 years earlier. In a statement she submitted during divorce proceedings, she wrote, My husband was absent from the home in the evenings and at weekends. He did not come on any family holidays when the children were growing up or come to any concert performances that the children took part in. But Mr Aokumi insisted throughout their marriage there was no abuse, physical or otherwise, and they were equal partners who made joint decisions. He said, I am a one-man band. If I don't work, I don't get paid. I admit that I missed a few family holidays and that I made myself available to clients 24-7 over the weekends and late at night. That is how I differentiate myself from the bigger companies that do what I do and how I secure myself more clients. We were struggling to pay our mortgage at times and I needed to keep a roof over my wife and daughter's heads. So I can certainly sympathise with him. Last week, the government revealed divorce on demand reforms meant to sweep adultery from the statute books had been put off for at least six months. We talked about that last week. The new divorce law in the UK, which will end a marriage without legal blame at the request of just one partner, was supposed to go into operation this autumn. But the introduction of the no-fault process has run into a few technical issues relating to moving the system online, the Ministry of Justice said. The current quickie divorce law, it says, it's not that quick. Dating from 1971 means that in England and Wales, a couple can be divorced for reasons of fault, such as adultery or unreasonable behaviour, or after a period of separation. A couple can be divorced by agreement after two years apart, but only after five years if one declines to end the marriage. Partner at law firm Charles Russell Speechley's William Logrig told Mail Online, 
While we look forward to the change in existing divorce laws, which will allow couples to divorce by providing a statement that the marriage has broken down irretrievably rather than apportioning blame, it is a shame that these changes have been delayed until the 6th of April 2022. So if there was no need for fault, his wife wouldn't have had to come up with all this stuff about the holidays and wouldn't have had all this fuss. So roll on April the 20, 2022. Queen's favourite grandson settles divorce with wife that left monarch upset, says the Queen's grandson, Peter Phillips, has settled his divorce with his estranged wife, Autumn. The couple announced last February they were divorcing after 12 years of marriage, with the monarch said to be upset at the news. They were expected to hold a court showdown, yeah, by the papers, but a spokesman for the couple said they oh dear, resolved matters amicably. Peter, Princess Anne's son, is the first of the Queen's grandchildren to legally divorce. A spokesman for the couple said Mr Peter Phillips and Miss Autumn Phillips are pleased to be able to report that the financial aspects of their divorce have been resolved through agreement, the terms of which have been approved and ordered by the High Court. Whilst this is a sad day for Peter and Autumn, they continue to put the well-being and upbringing of their wonderful daughters Savannah and Isla first and foremost. Both Peter and Autumn are pleased to have resolved matters amicably with the children firmly at the forefront of those thoughts and decisions. Both families were naturally sad at the announcement but fully supportive of Peter and Autumn in the joint decision to co-parent their children. The first grandchild of Queen Elizabeth II and the late Prince Philip and royal insiders claim he is the monarch's favourite grandson. This is Peter, and he's currently 17th in line to the throne. So well done to you guys. I've just had a couple of comments here. Um, Abbas has said, I feel divorce is more of a broad topic than to be said in just one episode. You're quite right, because we come and do this every week. Um, daughter has a response. Right, well, this is my favourite story of the week. A daughter has been um, has the best response to her father's eighty thousand penny child support payment. A Virginia man's decision to dump thousands of pennies on his ex-wife's lawn as his final child support payment is being turned into some positive change thanks to the generous actions of the woman and her teenage daughter. Avery Sanford spoke out about the nasty experience, telling local station WTVR that she'd just turned 18 when her father rented a trailer to cart his final payment in the form of more than 80,000 pennies over to her and her mother's home to dump in front of their yard. It is really hurtful and damaging to your kids when you do things like that, Avery told the Richmond Bay station of his action. And it doesn't matter how old your kids, it doesn't matter if they're a young child or an adult, the actions of your parents will always have some effect on you. Though her father's behaviour didn't add up, what did, she said, was donating it all to a local domestic violence shelter, ultimately turning a sad situation into a positive one. It's just incredible, Cathy Easter, Executive Director of Safe Harbour in Richmond, told HuffPost of the donation. Easter said Safe Harbour received around $850 from the teen and her mother, but once word spread about their experience, others started to reach out and donate online as well. 
as of uh, Thursday of this week, the organization has received nearly $5,000 on the women's behalf. A friend of theirs matched the exact amount and then other people started making donations in their honour, Easter said. In the memo line, they're saying they're doing this in honour of Avery and her mum. For Safe Harbour, which helps victims of domestic abuse, sexual violence and human trafficking, Easter said the donations couldn't have come at a more critical time. During the pandemic, incidents of domestic violence and well, they've increased and people who've been abused, especially since the beginning, were trapped in their homes with their abusers and couldn't leave, she said. Since restrictions started lifting, it's like a tsunami wave of people reaching out for help at a time when federal funding has been cut. So this gift for us has been amazing. Easter also expressed amazement at the mother and daughter's ability to take a positive stance when faced with such hostility. I think about Avery and her mother taking this really terrible and demeaning experience and turning it into something positive, she said. To me, it's just a beautiful thing that they've done together as a mother and daughter. Avery's father told WTVR off camera that his emotions got the best of him and that the last thing he wanted to do was create more of a divide between him and his daughter. He really should have checked in with the divorce coach or anybody in fact before taking these actions. The teen said that she hasn't spoken with her father in years and expressed disappointment in his actions. Still she said you can learn a lesson from it. I hope he has. Her mother contacted Henrico County Police and filed a report over the incident. A representative of the police division confirmed the incident to HuffPost but said no charges were filed. Let's talk to our expert. Welcome, Jonathan. Hi, Susie. How are you? I'm very well. And so yeah, if if the father had maybe checked in with you before he got that trailer, do you think he would have completely destroyed beyond probably repair his relationship with his daughter? Yeah, I don't. I, you, you, sometimes in, in divorce, I think you, well, you hear all these stories. Where are people's heads sometimes with regards to this? Because... They just lose sight of um, all rational thinking um, because there's an element of anger. Or actually, it's the ego more than anything. It's the e their ego playing its part and driving their behaviour. And I wonder at times whether we look back in years to come and go and look at, be able to say, look at himself in the mirror and say, "Yes, I did the right thing um, by doing that." And I just can't. I can't imagine that the person looking back in the mirror in ten, fifteen years' time goes. Do you know, that was the thing I really wanted to do, and uh, and it worked. You know, I just. I think I think he's I, already it's... clearly regretting it, um, but it just shows how yeah the amount of effort and time to <laughs> thousands of coins together, the amount of time he would have put into that. But that is how people get so caught up in that, and I'm sure that you have a, a, a bit of a bit to say on that because that's certainly an area that you can help people with, isn't it? As as a, a yeah. divorce coach with your coach with your fearless divorce. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, you know, there's three areas, I think, when people separate and divorce that um, really come into play as a sort of a triangle of, of eyes. And one of those is around what I call insight. And that is the insight you used to have on the person just changes dramatically on when you start to go through that divorce process. You start to think, actually, is this the person I really knew? Is it the person I married? And also you start to interpret um, and have discussions with yourself in your own head 
um, and, and and they lead you down particular paths. And they, that can be helpful sometimes to get a sort of rounded view of the things you're thinking about and need to take. But sometimes actually they can just eat away at you. And in particular with this this gentleman, it would have just eaten away at him and eaten away and eaten away. And, and to the point that he just goes, I'm going to go and do that. And that's just, you know, it's crazy. So, you know, partly it's when you go through those sort of the three eyes and that insight, you've got to remember that you've got to only really control yourself. You can only do so much with the other person and you can help coax and cajole them down a particular path, but look after yourself, but also make sure that you're seeing it things rationally and try and take your step outside yourself to say, actually, you know, I've got to turn down this emotional noise that's going on in my head um, and actually step outside. It's been like it's been like being in a nightclub many, many years ago now, Susie, for me to particularly when you used to go in, go in there, you, you'd hear all the music come out and your ears were ringing. And, uh, you know, you've got to come out of the nightclub, really, and try and get some sort of semblance of your hearing back to normal. It's the same inside your head. And, and the other two aspects really then around identity so that when you separate often we lose our identity because our identities have become so intermingled, entwined with our partners that we just don't really know who we are anymore um, because we were together. We, I, I associated with my ex, they associated with me and together we were the unit. Whether that was good or bad, the identity is wrapped together. So you have to start to think then, actually, who was I before the marriage? Is that the person I liked and want to be again? Or actually, if I want to change that, who do I want to be after the divorce? And start to think about who is that person you want to become. And if you start to focus on that person and seeing the characteristics of who that person is, you can start to design that as you go through it. Um, and then the final bit then is around isolation. Um, something I learned primarily the hard way more than anything when I went through my own divorce is trying to avoid the isolation from people around around you. And you can alienate yourself from people. And sometimes that's a good thing, but you've got to find the people you can trust. You know, as you divorce, and I'm not sure whether you've experienced this yourself, you, there are people that fall on either side of the fence. They fall on your ex's side, they fall on your side. And then there's this people in the middle who sit on the fence. They say, oh, we won't, we won't take judgment. We won't judge you. But the reality is, often in those scenarios, they're not on your side of the fence anyway. They're they lean the other way and I had a few of those and and I wish I'd reached out and found the people to trust when I went through it who you know you don't need very many you just need to find the right people who can help and support you whether that is mm. you know you've got a you've got a solicitor who you've met and you're paying for a coach who you're admittedly paying for as well but finding a, a friend or a family member who is not there just to say the things that you want to hear they're actually there to, to try and pull you back from you know dumping a load of co co coins on a on a on a yeah, lawn somewhere you, you can bet his friends down in the bar probably thought it was a great idea so you can just see how the, he probably got some very seriously bad advice on, on on that one but going back to what you were saying about um taking sides it may maybe it wouldn't happen now because it was quite a few years ago but i noticed that the dinner invitation stopped completely because I wasn't in this couple anymore. And and we started, there were just a handful of people that would invite me. And it was always that sense of, of who else. You felt like you were this sort of leper. <laughs> it was really, really strange. Um, I'd like to think it's not quite so bad now, but it was, and they were completely unconscious of it. I actually begin to, but the men who were separated, they seemed to get, the people like, oh, come to dinner, come and meet some people. There was a sense of we must look after them. But for the women, it was um, 
my friend at the time she thought it was because the 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 women who were giving the dinner parties were worried that we were going to somehow go after their husbands because you couldn't possibly be on your own and not be after someone's husband, could you? Um, you couldn't just be quite happy, actually, on your own. So, but I think don't think that was the case. I think it was that the those women kind of, it's almost like they just didn't want, they didn't want you to turn up and have a lovely time and be really happy because they weren't always that happy in those marriages themselves. Well, so I well, think it's, it's like, if, I, if I'd been more miserable about it, it would have been all right. Maybe I would have got some more invites. I don't know. <laughs> I, I had the reverse to you. I, I had the same thing, um, but for, for for me, actually, that I didn't get the, I didn't get the dinner invitations because, you know, if I was shown to be having a good time, there was a risk that the husband might go, oh, hang on, yes. he's all right, isn't he? It may be he might make that decision. And and a, a number of, um, I heard on the grapevine, a number of the of the wives of friends said to their husbands, if you do that, I will, you know, and various rude, <laughs> rude words. Um, and, and therefore, you know, the phone, the phone never rang from them. And, mm-hmm. um, and if you rang them, the, 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 it, would, it would go through to voicemail. Um, and I think that's a challenge and yeah. um, and it's a real disappointment when you get to that. And people you've known, often people who were your friends before you you knew your, your partner and who became your wife, um, take a side. And, and again, part of that is managing your own PR. And sometimes a, an ex-partner can get to the PR and get to the people and tell them a story that may be factually incorrect. Um, and you, if you respond to it, you, whatever it is you're going to say is a lie because they believe that other person. Um, yeah. And and just yeah. a, just as one final story from on on this, I I had a friend and I'm a godparent to the to the daughter, um, who was all very much we're here for you supporting you, and I saw a communication that said um, I can't believe what he's doing and I'm going to write. Um, if you remember in the old days of telephone boxes, you used to get particular postcards for particular telephone numbers that you could ring for certain and services. I'm going to get some number. I'm going to get his number printed and put it in the phone box. And I thought, I saw that and, that, and I have not spoken to that person from this day forward because I thought, you can't be two-faced. I'm not having that. So, um, oh, And it's a real shame. So, so disappointing. And the fact that people feel yeah. that they must take sides. But it really brings home that, that your friends actually are the, probably the, la- the last people who can support you quite often at the early stages. I always say, don't worry leave them for a bit they'll, they'll come on board later once they get the hang of it and realize that you're you know you being happy isn't a threat to their own relationship and um because it's interesting that you had that same experience but yeah having support working with a divorce coach to keep you straight so you don't do st- stupid things like the man with his trailer uh yeah it, it's it's very important and most important of course for your children because those sort of actions really really mess it up don't they so You've got your QR code there, Jonathan. I'm hoping that people by now know how to use them. But if you put your phone up to that and on the camera, just a a little thing will pop up. And where will it take them, Jonathan? It will take them to the website where you have an opportunity, if you wish, to book a call, free call, 30 minutes where we can explore how things are going for you, where the areas that you're finding challenging, blocking, you may need a strategy, etc., to navigate the divorce. You need to know how to na- negotiate your divorce. Then, you know, part of that is just exploring how I may be able to help you move forward and help you with areas around the clarity, your confidence, controlling, and making sure you can actually commit to doing it. Because if you're in it, you're going to have to do it at some point, and actually, you might as well just bite the bullet and just get on and do it. And um, and I, I can tell you all, I, you know, from my own past experience of being through this um, and having to navigate it 
primarily on my own and and utilizing a solicitor but better in the second better the second time of the year in the second year than it was in the first year i think you know just just reach out and ask get that support and 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 see see whether it's worthwhile having somebody who's who can work with you and help you along the way who is non-judgmental and is there to help you because you know as individuals we have the resources within us to navigate the divorce and come out stronger on the other side and you can use it as catalyst for positive change in your life it may not feel like that and it may feel really rubbish at the moment but you can come through it you know you've been there i've been there and and many others have and you can come out the other side and ensuring that you live the life that you positively once it's done rather than let it be like a sort of ball and chain around your ankle that you're dragging for the rest of your life and that's not a position any of us want to be in so if i can help in any way then I'd, i'd love to be able to do that thank you so much jonathan see you again soon Brilliant. So yeah, if you're thinking of taking a a trailer of of coins, thousands of coins, or doing some other kind of pointless vindictive act, um, which is going to damage your relationship with your children in the process, uh, go and talk to Jonathan first and uh, let him talk some sense into you. So we're going to pop into a, a little bit of the masterclass. And we're still on love. This is a section of the divorce um, navigation journey. It's a divorce masterclass, really, and you can find it in the app. And we're on the section around uh, co-parenting and we're on the Children's Bill of Rights. And we're going to do number two. Now, this is um, this is Robert Emery, PhD, who wrote. He wrote this as professor of psychology at the University of Virginia. And I love his Bill of Rights. And I think, you know, we should always, when we're going into the co-parenting space, we should sign up to this. So number two, we're on number two, I'm just going to do one each, each, uh, each episode, is the right to be protected from your parents' anger with each other. That's very apt, isn't it? So I bet the daughter whose dad dumped thousands of coins on the front lawn wishes her parents had signed up to this and it's particularly important because that anger comes out in the children quite often as self-harming so self-harming is well known amongst children whose parents not because they're divorcing but because they're divorcing uh, in a nasty way where there's anger and 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 bitterness they may not shout but they're still full of anger and it's very hard for them to hide it so what's the solution okay well how about dealing with the anger that can be take up and I'm not kidding kickboxing running you know, get get it out of your body it's, it's a physio, it's almost a physiological thing you don't just try and click a mental switch and pretend that you can just make it go away it's not quite that easy actively get the anger out of your body working with a, a therapist who's or a coach who's non-judgmental who you can really you know you've got to get it out but you definitely don't want to get it out to your to other people who uh, who could feed into it. You need to get it out to someone who's nothing to do with your family, isn't going to tell anyone, it's completely confidential. But you can you know, say perhaps some quite nasty things, but get it out. Don't hold on to it. And then that leaves you the space to take a breath and um, rethink your, your approach. And you do need to get it out because if you live with anger, it will make you ill. So find safe and appropriate ways to let go of your rage. So that's number two on the Bill of Rights, the right to be protected from your parents' anger with each other. Put it on the fridge. So we're now going to have our shared story with Nikki. 
and she's going to be telling us all about it's actually her own experience. Welcome Nikki to the show. Uh, great to see you here. So um, what's the story that you're going to share with us today? So I haven't been married um, until only just recently, but I was in a really serious relationship of eight years and we were a year off being married. So we basically were, you know, without the actual document in place. And when we broke up, I was the one that did, decided to do that. For a year, I'd been feeling really um, mixed about the relationship. I knew something wasn't right, but I didn't quite know what the problem was. So when I started talking to friends about it, they said, all you ever talk about is the negative. You, all, you only ever talk about how he's doing this to you. He's saying this to you. He's not. He's controlling your money. You know, don't you think that's a bit weird? And it was at that point, that's when the penny dropped, literally. And I thought, hang on a second, I have no control over my own money. This is not normal. Other people are telling me this is not normal. What else is not normal? And the more I opened up to my friends about, do your, do your partners do this? No, no, they don't. So that's when I realised I was in, in a relationship that just wasn't going anywhere anymore. And I think to get married would have been a really big mistake. And I could see my life as it was going to play out. And I thought, I do not want to be 40-something divorcing with two children. I just, I could see it all very clearly happening. Mm. So I made the decision to to finish it and actually had to create a bit of an escape plan because he was quite a, a feisty character, <laughs> if you would say, when whenever you'd get into a confrontation with him, it, there was no winning in his situation he would I always joked that he would make he would have made an amazing lawyer because he was <laughs> he was so argumentative he was so good at being able to, to say what he needed to say and it always made me feel about this big <laughs> so I gave my mum an overnight bag and I said if I do not come out of this flat by midnight you need to come and get me so literally I had an escape plan I had my bag packed I had the money in my, my purse and that was literally all I had because I, everything was all in our joint account. So I had to wait until I had my next paycheck to stop it from going into our joint account so that I could have my money again. I had no savings in my own name. I didn't know what was going on with our budget. I didn't know how much I'd paid into our joint flat. I wasn't on the mortgage. There were so many things that now looking back, I think, oh, I wish I'd known what to do at the time. And after I left, he actually made me feel so guilty that I ended up having to pay for half of the mortgage every month until he could find a solution to fix the problem, even though he probably could have afforded to do it on his own. But he was punishing me for breaking up with him. So I left that relationship with nothing. And I see that now with the women that I help in my community, the ones who are in relationships that don't want to be in relationships but they don't have the money to be able to escape that relationship or they, they're fearful of not being able to make it on their own they've got children to look after there's there's lots of reasons why they don't want to leave a relationship and if money is part of that I think that's a really scary situation to be in so since that breakup and since coming to my senses with my own money situation I'm now 
happily married. We've got our own money. Everything's um, very clear. You know, we talk about these things often and regularly. So we have a joint account, but we have our own money as well. And I have my own savings. I have my own investments. And this is what I teach the women in my my community as well. So I'm a GP, but I've retrained as a money coach. And a lot of that has come from the fact that I was in this relationship before and I can see that it affects so many other women. It certainly affects a lot of the patients that I've, I've dealt with. My colleagues, you know, there are lots of doctors that are hiding this kind of problem as well. So actually, um, it's been a real catalyst for what I do now. So I have to be grateful for that. But it was still quite a painful time of of my life so but it's it's but it's great and thank you so much for sharing because there will be so many people who can that resonates with and I think Mm. it's there's an assumption you know that your GP educated intelligent skilled person and Mm. and some people will think well how could you be in that situation but it's it's so insidious isn't it and it's actually very very easy especially when you're having children with someone if they are of that ilk <laughs> to take control, then uh, it's it's incredibly easy. And and so that your own experience led into you doing what you do now. Yes. So I started blogging as the female money doctor, and it was purely just to talk about my own experiences, what I was learning about managing my money, um, what I'd been learning from the patients that I'd been seeing as well about managing money and the importance of having things and protections in place and, and what I'd learned from my experience of being in that relationship and coming away with nothing. And it's it's developed into becoming a money coach. And that's now my business that I'm building because I can see the importance of that on how it plays out for our health you know and you mentioned about holding on to stress and being anger and having anger and and that makes you ill that's so true you know the number of women that have got stress around something going on and then that leads to problems with going to work maybe then problems getting bringing the money in not being able to get out of debt properly you know there's all sorts of things that can can all be associated with stress so it's it's so important it's it, more people need to be talking about it yeah and that's coming from a gp or ex-gp <laughs> so, thank you so much nikki for sharing your story i really really appreciate it and um if you've got more stories to share it'd be lovely to get you back on the show thank you so i'm going to do a very quick uh, roulette with the app so if you're listening on uh, itunes or forest row radio um uh, we have our own radio station here which is run by an amazing team of people uh, which also uh, shows sends this show out on there but best way to divorce dot online will take you to the free best way to divorce app full of goodies and um inside of that is one that's called about us and i would encourage people to who go into the app to check it out i do have my tedx in there you can watch that it's very short and the reason i encourage people to watch it is it explains why i do what i do it's the, it's the best way to explain it or it does it sounds weird when i try and explain it in words so watch that and you'll kind of get where i'm coming from but if you're happy to watch that and want to give me some feedback or any thoughts on it if you put that into the um there's a, a free group support group in the in the app then i'm very happy to say thank you with a complimentary divorce navigation session which you can't get for free otherwise so if you want to do that that's great because i would like some feedback and just see get people using the app even more than they are thank you so much for that and we're gonna just fly past 
this was a workshop we did last night. Jonathan was part of it. We had a massive internet crash for two hours just before it started, but by a, like a miracle, it all came right in the end and we were able to do it. And it, thank you to all of those who made it for the live workshop and the rest of you uh, will be able to see the recorded version in the workshop tile in the app. But it was, it was great and I'm looking forward to doing the next one, hopefully in the autumn. And now we have our healing is going to be with Scott. Hello, Scott. Thank you. Made it. Right. Can't quite hear you Hello. at the moment. though. Oh, yes, you're coming yes. through. You're coming through. It's this little bit of lag. And where are you calling for? Uh, heaven, by the look of it. A bit of heaven. It's Los Angeles, specifically West Hollywood, California. Excellent. Here There's a little bit of sunny blue sky day. Oh, lovely. It's a little bit of a time lag, but that's not a problem because I presume we're all going to close our eyes in a minute. Yes, exactly right. Excellent. So just so why don't we yeah, go there now? Yeah, we'll go and straight see in. What we'd like to. And that'll be lovely. And once um, I'll give you the, the, the floor and I'm going to click on a tile and it'll be just you and there'll be gentle music in the background and I'll let you do your thing. And then when you get to the end, just make sure I'm aware in case I've drifted off somewhere <laughs> with the words, because I do do the meditations as well. Um, make it clear to me that it's time to come back again. So thank you so much, Scott, in, in advance. Perfect. So if you're not driving, sit in a way that helps you to feel really good about yourself. Allow your spine to be long and without strain. If you'd like, gently close your eyes. Begin to feel the physical feeling of the breath touching your body. First at the tip of the nose, it feels like a soft presence. It's caressing across the back of your throat, cool on the way in on the inhales and warmer on the way out. Just feel this. And feeling the expansion and release of the ribcage as the lungs fill and let go. And fill and let go. See if you can feel all three at the same time. Tip of the nose, across the back of the throat, the movement in the ribcage as the breath comes in deep and goes out slowly. Let your exhales become even slower. The more you slow the exhales, the more the thinking stream will slow down naturally. Freshly bring a portion of your awareness to the soles of your feet. And with your imagination, like you're opening fists with your mind, soften the soles of your feet continuously. Softening the skin, tendons and connective tissue, and muscles all the way to the bone. Letting go on every exhale of any tension, as well as having the feeling to exhale the energy of thinking itself. Perhaps like exhaling a colorful smoke. The breath is flowing like water. 
each inhale, you receive a little bit more nourishment. The nourishment of stillness. The nourishment of simple love. Each exhale, releasing tension. And as you're continuing to soften the soles of your feet, do the very same thing with the palms of your hands. Soles and palms, softer and softer and softer. Letting go. Letting go. Letting go. Allow the next inhale to lift your awareness up to the region of your physical head where you're softening the inside, outside corners of your eyes, all four corners of the eyes, melting like butter on a hot day, as well as the region inside and around your ears, letting go, letting go, letting go. Let your tongue come deeply to rest in the floor of your mouth, softening your tongue from end to end. As you soften all the muscles of the pelvic floor, groin region, perineum, sphincter, PC muscle, this whole region, softer and softer and softer, letting go, letting go, letting go. Have the feeling that the next inhale expands your awareness a bit wider than your physical body. And just playfully, like little kids, softening all six points in the body at the same time, infinitely softer, soles of the feet, palms of the hands, corners of the eyes, region of the ears, tongue, and pelvic floor groin. When mind wanders, just simply bring it back to the softening, letting the breath come in deep and go out slowly. Begin to have the feeling that as you continue to soften, the breath is actually entering your body from the space in front of you. It's entering through the heart region in the center of your chest. It's passing through this region approximately three finger widths inside the center of your chest in the middle of your sternum. The inhale passes all the way through to a place just behind your shoulder blades. The exhale flows from this place behind your shoulder blades through the heart region to the space in front of you. Inhaling from the front through the heart to the space behind your shoulder blades. Exhaling forward. Behind you in this space between the shoulder blades, about a foot behind your back, is the presence of love itself. Love that has no causes, that cannot be diluted in any way, shining, whole, infinitely abundant. Consider it the 
most loving presence you could ever encounter. In fact, it is your own deep heart revealing itself. As you inhale back to this supreme love behind you, you can send on the inhales any contractions, tensions, worries, and insecurities, residues of old wounds, where they are alchemized, released from their contracted state into free energy, the flow of love, creative force that flows through your whole body, nervous system, and the space around you from this great heart on every exhalation. Inhaling back to the great heart, exhaling the supreme love and compassion and nourishment and grace forward. The more you soften the six points, souls, palms, eyes, ears, tongue, pelvic floor, the more you soak up this nourishment of supreme love like a sponge. Let us sit in this way for a few minutes. What can you soften a little bit more to receive, to fill up on this unconditional acceptance and love for you from the Supreme Heart, which is your truest nature, is your deep heart.
as and when you begin to feel a surge, even a small surge in love within you. Playfully love the great heart behind your back and notice what you experience as you powerfully love the great heart behind your back, continuing to exchange breath. Now just relax with your eyes closed. Just be here without trying to do any technique. Just be here noticing how you're feeling. Leaving your eyes closed, gently begin to deepen your breath, drawing breath down to the soles of your physical feet, choosing to come all the way back to and all the way inside of your body as you begin to wiggle your fingers and your toes, maybe a light stretch to your neck, letting the very last thing you do be the opening of your eyes only when you feel ready. This meditation we've been practicing is a very simple practice. It may not seem simple if it's new to you to practice in this way, but with a bit of time in, it will become yours and you can adjust it. You can get creative. It's a very potent way I've found for self-healing, for exploring, deepening the practice we call self-love for transmuting, alchemizing, composting the challenges of our relationship lives, which can really feel quite heavy at certain moments, to put it lightly. And yet, relationship is where I and so many of us see our opportunities to grow, to outgrow the challenges of childhood, to outgrow perhaps our attachment patterning anxious or avoiding attachment pattern and become secure because our, our attachment is going into the deep heart within. We're able to see things and people more as they are and make healthier choices about folks to relate to as friends, lovers, colleagues, 
partners or spouses. From a place of being full within already, not being needy and seeking, and so we're likely to have clearer and cleaner boundaries, healthier exchanges, and progressively the work of dissolving our codependency. To live in love. And the more you practice, the easier it gets. We carve the neural pathways each time we practice. And as a walking around practice, it's not enough, you see, just to practice formal practices once or twice a day. We want to practice for walking around through our ordinary moments. This is the work of Tantra, using everything in our lives to grow. Everything. Is to practice the softening all day long. The six points, or just hands and feet, softening soles of the feet and palms of the hands, releasing tension, lengthening the exhales, breathing through the nose slowly, we're going to have more awareness and bandwidth to navigate the vicissitudes of life. That's lovely and, and taps into everything we've been talking about on the, on the show, um, whether it's dealing with anger and rage and not dumping that on the other parent and destroying your relationship with the children, which has been one theme to tonight, and also that uh yeah that necessity to do that inner work and to uh yeah to it's so many things that meditation can help with and i think you've you've described it really beautifully thank you Be lovely to have you back on again if you'd be so kind and come and do another one i really enjoyed that. love to love thank, to thank love you to. so much scott bye for now thank you And I'm sure Scott will put some details in the all the different platforms that I'm going to send him the links to. And so if you want to find out a little bit more about his work, as as also with Jonathan Burston and and all and all the guests that we have, this is what we do. So on the battlefield of family separation, in the war of divorce, always make sure you make peace your weapon of choice.